Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Matthew chapter 10, uh, and, and as you're turning there, I want to, I'm wrapping up this four-week series that I've been teaching on, on sons, daughters, and the kingdom, because we have a lot of people that always, I mean, you have, if I could just say that, we have sometimes Christians in name only. It's, we, we say we are, but Jesus, we love him as Savior, but when he becomes Lord, which means he controls every aspect of our life, we may not like him touching certain areas of our life, and he has to become Lord. He's not just our Savior, but he has to become Lord. And as a child or a son, daughter in the kingdom of God, we have a, we've been positioned to rule and to reign according to his perspective and the way that it, the way that he desires. And so today I want to talk about the part four, this last part on power. And as I'm getting into that, uh, it's two different types of meaning that I'm going to pull from that, but uh, our foundational verses that we've been pulling from from each week is Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, and I'm going to read it as, as it's laid out, not only as it appears on the screens, but as many as are continually being led by the Spirit of God. That's what that means for who, those who are led. Not a one time off, not when they said yes to Jesus one time, but it's as many as are continually being led. It was one of the scriptures, Psalm 37 and 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. That word delight means to make pliable, to be moldable and fashionable, become soft in the hands of the Lord. And that's what we are, sons and daughters. You, you, you are led every day. It's not just a one time thing. And so he directs my steps. They, these, as Paul is like, for as many as are being led, these are the children of God. God identifies you not just as a Christ follower, but more of a term of endearment as a child would say to a father, I am a son or a daughter. So I can call him father because I am a son or because you are a daughter. And it goes on to say, for the creation itself is waiting with eager expectation for the revealing or the manifestation of the sons of God in the earth. The earth is desiring to see you step into your position. The devil fights to keep you from knowing who you are. What you do is not who you are. Some people say, well, I, I, I'm a doctor. Some might say that, well, I, I'm a nurse. I'm a this, I'm a that. No, you're, that's what you do. Who you are at the core of your being is you're a, you're a daughter. You're a son. You're a child of God. You, you're an heir uh, to God and a joint heir with Christ. He was the only begotten son that became the firstborn from the dead. So he established a path for you and I to walk into. It's not just I come to the cross, get saved, and that's it. No, I come to the cross, gets transformed. I take up my cross because I know there's a resurrection to come. And I carry my cross so that I can show others this is how, this is the way for healings, breakthroughs, manifestations, the glory of God to be on display through my life and around me as a child of God. We are called to carry the kingdom. All right? And in that, I want to take a moment. I want to talk about kingdom because this is, I got to establish this foundation, sons, daughters, and the kingdom, right? 
Well, it's the king's domain. It's God's realm. It's the way God does stuff. That's right. But let's talk about it for just a moment. I'm, I, may, I may say some stuff that may not sound right to your ears, but give me just a second. This is not a religious book. I heard somebody throw up. I'm just kidding. Um, it's like one of those moments. Even the baby stopped. You know, it's like one of those moments like, oh my gosh, can you believe it? It's a legal document. And what I mean by that is, we know the word's alive. That's why it's called the law of God. It's legal document. The Bible is a constitution of a country called heaven. Think about it. This is a constitution of a country called heaven. What do we mean by that? Heaven, we know, and most of us, depending on how you grew up, I grew up singing out of a red spine hymn, oh, this world is not my home, I'm just a pay. If heaven's not my home, Lord, I'm all that. The angels beckon me from heaven. You know, and I think about that, and God's like, wait a second. Is that what my written word says? Is it? Or did I call you into the earth to become agents of change, to transform it, to look like heaven to earth? It's a constitution of a country called heaven. It's about a king. It's about a kingdom. It's about a royal family. It's about a kingdom that was established, lost, regained. It's a kingdom that has come, and it's a kingdom that is coming. It's, it embodies, the scripture embodies a kingdom called heaven. It speaks to things according to the culture that's countercultural to what they think. It speaks to the sanctity and protection, just for example, of marriage. That marriage is between one man and one woman. Marriage is not between two men or two women. It's a man and a woman for life. It speaks to, and if I'm still on the subject of marriage, is that it's speaking to covenant and commitment. Not, well, we, we just live together for a while until we figure it out. No, no, no. It's covenant. Old covenant, new covenant, right? This is the standard. Many of us know the constitution of our nation, and we should. We should know our Bill of Rights. We should know the amendments. Those are important. But how well do you know the constitution from a country that you're a citizen of if you're considered yourself a believer? We are citizens of a kingdom established by a king. Now, in the West, we don't understand maybe that much about a kingdom, and I had to do some personal research for myself on that. But as it pertains to uh, living under a king, I was listening to a, a very wise man as a teaching here a while back, and he was talking about he lived under the rule of a king, and he's an older gentleman, um, like, you know, from, I think it was like 1930-something all the way up to 1970-something, and he was talking about four times a day, he said, we drink tea. And it's like, well, why would you drink tea four times a day? He said, because you did what the king drank for tea four times a day, so you do as the king does. And this may be challenging some thoughts in our mind, but we, maybe in the West, because I don't understand it completely, we're in a democracy which, where people vote. And I'm not saying that's right, wrong, and different. I'm not, I'm not challenging that. I think it's great that people, but in the kingdom of God, there's no voting. <laughs> Whatever's established by the king, that's the standard, right? You do as the king does. So as King Jesus speaks into your life, if he calls something specific sin, then it's sin. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not, whatever, bear false witness. Go through the, those are laws written not so that it keeps you from doing things. Well, as you know, it's not just do's and don'ts. No, it's not. This is a constitution that was written in blood and love. It's spoken to protect you, to preserve you, 
to lead you, direct you, to guide. The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is the standard. Say it's the standard. Say it. It's the standard for every son, every daughter to live by. And in a kingdom, or say, for instance, in and under British rule, you look and you see that everything in that kingdom, nobody owns anything. It's owned by the, king, or the, the Queen of England, right? Now, things might have been tweaked and added different from what it was, but under a legitimate king rule, everything is owned by the king. Those are the king's deer. Those are the king's trees. Those are the king's squirrels. Every aspect of that belongs to the king. So when a kingdom you don't own, you have access to. We are heirs to the king. We have access. By the blood of Jesus, we can come close to in his presence, right? So in the kingdom of God, and all kingdoms, the goal is influence, to change the culture, to colonize a region and shift the culture and turn it into that. That's why Jesus, when he prayed, he was teaching his disciples, your kingdom, Father, come. Your will be done on earth. We're not trying to get out of here real fast. We're called to change culture. So we're under the rulership of a king, Jesus. So let that shift your, your perspective. In his kingdom, we don't vote. I'm not speaking against what we, I'm just saying, because we're not under that, we don't understand that. In God's kingdom, we don't vote on what we wanna keep and what we wanna kick out. So as sons and daughters, we have to embrace fully with our heart, fully. Mind, will, and emotions, our spirit, our physical being has to embrace this is the soul authority and this is a constitution that I need to learn of and I want to talk this morning specifically into these two areas it's power but if I need to split them apart power and authority I want to start with authority but in Matthew chapter 10 is Jesus is with his disciples and he's getting ready to release them into ministry and he's here in verse one, it says this, and when he had called the 12 disciples to himself, I love that part, he called them to himself, gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of, of disease. And after that, he tells them, look, don't go, to the, uh, don't go to anybody but the lost house of the sheep of Israel or the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's who I want you to go to first. Go to them. And we know that after Pentecost, it was dispersed to all of us, right? So he tells them, he says, as you go preaching, that's a commission, as you go, I don't care, whatever you're doing, as you go, preach this, saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's within you, it's at hand, it's available now. That my kingdom is available, it's open. And he tells them in verse eight, he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, because you've just freely received, you need to freely give. Remember the saying it talks about, and I've talked to us on different occasions, you only get to keep what you give away. That's how it works in the kingdom. You're only able to keep and increase in what you're willing to give away. And I love the very beginning of this verse in verse one, it says, when he called them to himself. In other words, when he brought them near, close enough to where they could observe and see exactly how he dealt with the systems of the day. You understand that this world has many systems that's, that's based off of humanistic ideas, and, it's, uh, uh, and I, I love the quote that I heard one time, that um, humanity without Jesus at the center becomes demonic in nature. It becomes humanistic and, and sensual. It's, it's, but when he is the, becomes the central piece, everything begins to shift. 
And he tells them as he pulls them close, I believe that he's just pouring into them, preparing them. It wasn't was just randomly choosing these people and then just dispersing them and tell them, hey, go do these things. No, it was actually pulling them close in an intimate type of uh, relational in, uh, relationship so that they could learn his heart. They could see how he responded and, and hear and talk and see and move. And he begins to give them power. But that word power on different translations you may see, some of them actually get it right. But here uh, with the New King James and what I'm reading, it actually says power. And I've translated to show that you can see it's authority. And that word authority is the Greek word exousia. Now, I'm not here. I'm not a master in Greek by no means. But this word's uh, very powerful, being that I'm talking about power, because authority fits under power. But exousia power, when we look at the definition, it means delegated empowerment, authorization. It means that I have a legal right to use the power that I've been given. It's the presence that commands submission to, an, to carry out an order or to implement kingdom logistics. It's a police officer's badge, if you will. Think about that police officer. He can walk up with a gun, but if he has no badge, he has no authority over any aspect of my life. That badge changes things, right? If it's legal, right? Not impersonating an officer, but it's legit and it's real. But that badge is his authority to act on behalf of whatever department or region that he's, he's in. Um, but now the gun is a different story. The gun represents his power, Right? So you have to have both in the kingdom of God. I ain't got time to get into that right now. But here's the thing. You look at the life of Jesus. Jesus never healed first and then preached after that. The scripture says that he would always teach, preach, and heal. And this is the way he did things. And even with his disciples, he said, look, go and preach the kingdom of heaven my way. My way of doing things is here and it's at hand. My kingdom's not of this world. So first off, guys, let's just break some fear of man off of you. The world hated me, so get used to it. They're gonna hate you too. So as they went, he gave them authority, exousia, the highest type of authority that could be given to them in this moment. And he never healed first, but he preached the kingdom first and then healed. Here's the thing. Miracles are evidence that another culture has come. The culture, that's why when Jesus spoke, his words were spirit and life because I'm like, man, I've never heard this preached before. What is this? He preaches as one with, anybody know your Bible? When he stood up in the synagogue and began to teach, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me and reads that and he sets down and the eyes of all are fixed on him. Why? Because he had exousia, authority. It had been delegated and given to him from the father. So, we look at miracles, listen, and I, I don't check out on me on miracles. I believe that God has called us to walk in a lifestyle of the miraculous, and miracles aren't supposed to be extraordinary. I know that may mess with some of us, but they're not supposed to be extraordinary. They're simply evidence that the country of which we claim to be a part of and in is in our neighborhood. They testify of a greater culture. They testify of one of which that is supposed to be evident in every aspect of our lives. Everything from healing to divine business and breakthrough. We are God's kids that have the presence of God marked on our life, Patrick. Why are we not walking and manifesting that? We are marked. That's the distinguishing mark on God's people is his presence. We learned that week one. So God's presence changes everything. We serve a God who isn't dead. He is alive. Authority is a byproduct of relationship. 
because he pulled them to himself, began to impart his life into them, that was authority for them to begin to function in authority. It's like I said earlier, Matthew 7. Oh, Lord, we cast out demons and all this stuff in your name. He's like, I didn't know you. I didn't pull you. You didn't want to come close to me when I tried. You wanted to stay at arm's length. You wanted to travel at a distance but not get close enough to be guilty of association with me. Come on, this second service cry. Y'all with me this morning? You'll wait. So we've all been given a realm of personal authority. And let me say it in this aspect. Your authority is the legal area of domain given to you by God for which he has designed and equipped you, equipped you to perform. Authority is your natural area of gifting, if I could say it in this way. Let's just put it in this little small, weird, but crazy and stupid parable, but it'll get my point across maybe. Me and a bird are sitting on the roof having a conversation. Okay, I know that sounds really wild, but the bird, you know, says, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to fly off and check this area out over here. So the bird flies off. I think, well, you know what? I'm going to fly off and I'm going to go check the same area he's checking. Okay, it's getting fun. Law of gravity is going to kick in. I can't fly. I can't flap my arms fast enough to get up uh, and get off the roof. So if I could say it in this way, when you look at that example, that means that if I'm trying to do something that I have no authority and I've not been authorized to do, it'll kill me. That bird has an authority to function and operate in that realm. I don't. So for some of us in the room, we got to stop looking at somebody else and say, well, they did it. I need, to, I, I need to, no, you don't. Don't function in an area God hasn't called you. He's given you authority to function right where you are through the giftings and the talents and the abilities that you can. Maybe you're great with your hands. Let God use you and do whatever you do as unto the Lord. That's the way it works. It's not, well, I, I feel like my, my, your effectiveness is whenever you take the work that God's placed in your hand and you consecrate it and set yourself apart for him to use it and let him direct it, that's where it becomes effective. You got to use what's in your hand. So Luke 10, verse 19, the scripture talks about, it says Jesus in a same scenario, that, except this time, he didn't just take his disciples. He pulled 70 more closer to him, or once some translation 72. And he says, look, I'm giving you authority to trample on serpents and on scorpions, and don't get freaked out about those. That's demonic. And people look and say, well, you know, I don't know. You're talking about demons. I'm not really concerned. I don't, you know. No, I'm telling you, they're real. There's, <laughs> whew. I've got some interesting stories I can't go into, but some encounters that I personally had. There's been moments in the middle of the night when there's been a spirit of fear that has come into our room at, at times, and I have set up and Crystal freaked out. And I said, you get out of this room. I bind you in the name of, you get out of here. Just a fear-gripping terror that would come into the room. Never saw anything, but I knew it was real. And I'm telling you, there may not be a devil uh, under every rock that we see, but there's definitely probably one around every other rock that we encounter. And there is an influence working behind the scenes in this world. There's an unseen realm that you don't see. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's why Jesus said you need authority. People say, well, do I not need the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost to begin? No, no, no. Yeah, you do. But let me bring you back. Jesus spoke a word. That word carried authority. That authority was out of a relationship. And that relationship empowered those words to stand on their own and accomplish what the Father said. That's got to happen. That's authority. Confession from your heart, from your mouth. You open your mouth because you believe the constitution from which that you are come from. I'm a citizen of heaven. So therefore, I have authority. 
Be guilty by association this morning. Who were you associated with? He said, I'm giving you power or authority over all the power of the enemy. That's the word dunamis. That, that, because the devil, he can work magic too, legit. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm giving you authority over that. You're going to tread on serpents and scorpions, that, those demonic powers. And when that's, that fever comes into your house and it gets a hold of your baby or it gets a hold of that family member, all you got to do is know who you stand in. Standing in Jesus is a physical place. I'm in union with him. Therefore, because I'm in union with him, I know him and I walk in intimacy. I understand. He didn't give sickness to me to teach me a lesson. He is, something's intruding in my house that is not authorized. And I I have authority to remove it. That's the mindset of the son and the daughter in the kingdom. Matthew 28, 18, let me keep moving. Scripture talks about, we all know this, the great commission of Jesus. Jesus is getting ready to leave this earth. And he tells them, he says, behold, all authority, how much? All of it. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, wait a second, Jesus. I don't understand what you're saying. Why do, you, why do you have to tell us that? Because just for a little bit of a biblical lesson, let's backtrack to the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve is isolated, and that's why I believe it's important. The husband and wife stand together, be together. It's a proverbial stance to say, hey, be with your, be with your spouse. Stand with them strong in the kingdom. But anyway, she's by herself. She's isolated. Here comes the deceiver. He speaks. He lies. She's enticed in her flesh, and at the world, she partakes, falls. In that moment, Adam and Eve had, we were in perfect union and communion with the Father. That, I mean, that was just, it was awesome in the garden. God wanted them to grow and expand outside the garden, to overtake the earth, subdue it. You know, that was his, that was his thing. And so anyway, she, she falls. We know the story. In that moment, man took the keys of authority over the earth and, 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 and gave it to the enemy. He didn't steal it. They deceived and they were, it was taken from them. So the last Adam, the firstborn from the dead, comes, Jesus, and he says, I'm going to defeat you in the wilderness with the same three sins that you tempted Eve with in the garden. Now I'm in the desert. We're going to flip this thing. I'm going to beat you on the cross and make it an open shame before all of your principalities and all of your demonic magistrates and every system and format of your demonic government. I'm going to defeat it. I'm flipping the switch. We're changing things. I'm getting keys. When I resurrect from the grave, I'm walking out with something called authority and power, and I'm going to give it back to my disciples, which is said, he said, it's been given to me. Now, guess what, guys? I'm giving you keys. I'm giving you keys uh, to the kingdom of God that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose upon the earth has already been loosed in heaven. So let's get back to plan A. My goal was to subdue the earth with kingdom people, with sons and daughters and those that were yielded and surrendered and submitted to God and, and saying, hey, God, this is your point. This is your purpose. You want to dominate the earth with your children. Scripture says that heaven, even the heavens, O oh Lord, belong to you. But he said, the earth I'm giving to man. And you know the scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and the full, everything belongs to him. That's why when you learn that when you're in the kingdom, you don't own, you just steward. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Well, that's my car, pastor, and that's my, that's my uh, house, and that's my... I'm just saying what the scripture says. 
And that's the constitution by which we live by, right? I'm called to steward everything, family, marriage, relationships, finances, every aspect of my life, I'm called to be a good steward. Anoint me with a spirit of excellence so I can be a good steward. I don't, I don't know. Let me keep moving. So he's telling them this, and he says, as you go, teach them to observe. I'm not going to read the whole aspect of it. Teach them to observe all things, not just a few. Acts chapter 1 had even talked about it, teaching them the kingdom. After he resurrected, he spent 40 days teaching them on things pertaining to the kingdom. Kingdom, my way. You have been commissioned with Jesus. Here's the thing. Authority comes in the commission. Commission means I'm co-laboring. I am linked to. My ox is linked to him, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna plow with him. Jesus says before Matthew 28, just a, pre, a couple of chapters previous, he says this, uh, or he's, he encounters a Roman centurion, and uh, you know, obviously he's a Gentile, and he's having a conversation with this guy, and the servant says, he says, look, you know, um, I want you to come and heal my servant. And Jesus says, sure, I'll come heal him. He said, no, wait, 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 wait. I'm not worthy for you to come up underneath my roof, but just speak the word. Just say it. All you have to do, Jesus, because I know that your Pharisees and your teachers of the law and the religious minds of the day, they've missed it, but I get it because here's the thing, and this is what I understand about your words of authority. I'm a man under it. I'm a man under authority, so I can say to this one, go when he goes, come, do this, and they do it. And the scripture, I love this, the scripture says that Jesus marvels. He's like, oh my goodness, are you serious? So Jesus says, I haven't found great faith like, great faith like this. What, so what did Jesus do? He connected this man's understanding of authority and submission to it to great faith. There was a connecting point. He understood what it meant to yield and submit himself. You know, this is the thing. I've got two men in my life, not just to mention my wife. I'm just going to save you some stuff, men. If you have a phone, an email, or whatever it is, and your wife don't have access to all passwords, you need to open your phone and let her have it. Vice versa. I'm so, it may be offending some people, but that is, my, that is the one that God has called me to link with for the rest of my life. There's two men in my life outside my wife that can come into my life and say, let me have your phone. Let me have your computer. Let me have anything that's in your home. Uh, or anything that, that I can look through. Now, it's not one of these power trips that they do, but it's just if something is off, they can come search. Look through my search history on YouTube, uh-oh, or Google, whatever your search engine is, they have access because I'm gonna be under. I understand what it means to be under that submission to a, a pastor in my heart. He pastors my heart. And it's his responsibility to steward what's in me. Now, I've got to be yielded, right? I've got to be open and willing. But that's the, that's the importance and that's the power. So get, just get somebody that can, you can be accountable to and they can, get, they can speak into your life and, and help you walk through these seasons that's, that's tough. And when you see you taking a, an, off, a, an off ramp, gets you aligned back in right. It's important and it's vital to have that. Okay, all right, I'll, let me just keep moving. I could tell that was heavy. So, you cannot be commissioned. People say, well, I'm doing the Great Commission. As I go, you cannot be commissioned because you're not linked with him if you're not under submission to him. Come on, I'm telling you. This is the way function, 
The glory of God follows the order of God. God has an order. They will say, no, he's just spontaneous. No, 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 God has order. He, he, he created things on specific days. He knew all this. He's not a God that's, well, I think I'll just do this. No, 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 he's a God of order. So therefore, if you want glory to rest upon your life, his weighty presence in increasing measure in every aspect of your life, then there is a submission and a yielding to the order of God in my life. So as children of God, let me give you three things. We have authority through three areas. The first thing is this. The way you you receive it, you get it, you grow in it and increase in it is scripture. I know it's simplistic. I get it. Just go with it. Do it. Scripture. I said last week, increase your intake. I promise you, the more you give yourself to it, the more he begins to speak. I'm telling you, I have found stuff that I have stored away in my spirit days. I don't remember, Monica, what in the world I was even reading. I just read and looked up and was like, oh, good Lord, I've read two chapters. I don't even know what I read. I felt bad about it, and so I went back, and, you know, I kind of get this squirrel, you know, rabbit, and just, so I, I have to really, coffee is amazing in the morning, I'm just going to tell you. But as I'm reading, and, you know, and it just, the scripture, but if I'll increase my intake, what happens is as something comes up in my life and it's overwhelming, but all of a sudden the word just, and I'll, and I'll just say, but God, the scripture says you're not that way. It, it, it helps me to fight those thoughts off. Well, God's mean and he just, I can't believe he would let this out. And it's like, no, the word comes up and says, no, but his mercy endures forever. He's, his goodness Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. So it's like it bubbles up and you know it. The other day I quoted Psalm 23, AJ, and didn't even know I knew it. Now I said, well, well you're a, you've done how many funerals? You know, it's like, no, I, I just didn't even know it was in me. I just began to quote it. Didn't even, but I'm just getting it in me. So increase your intake. Take in scripture because this is your constitution. It's speaking to where you're going, so you better know it. Know what belongs to you, hello, like the rest of us do about what's going on in the nation right now, and know what needs to go, Right? Know when you're, the enemy is infringing upon your freedom. When he's crossing the line, here's the problem. Because we don't intake scripture, guess what? We don't know what's permissible into the home and what needs to go, what needs to stay. So then we open up and let anything come in. Everything from, I'm not going, I don't want to start naming stuff because I'll miss yours and you'll think you're all right. But it's like, I'm, I, I, I open myself up because I don't know God's constitution. I don't know his laws and I don't know his love for me. So therefore, I will allow any thought, any ideology, any uh, twisted uh, word that the enemy would somehow warp inside there and make it work for, for, for my dysfunction. And I would just embrace it and keep it. I'm telling you, Increase your intake. Plug your heart into the source and watch what God does. Second thing, and this is simplistic, prayer. Building history. I love Bill Johnson, what he says. If you will build history with God, he will build his story through you. People say, I want to to be used by God in a great and mighty way. And they want to have somebody lay hands on them and they want to be functioning that way. But that's, nobody can impart their history to you. That's not how that works. So my authority comes from scripture. My authority comes from building history and intimacy and knowing him as Moses said, show me your way that I would know you more, that I would know your heart. And the third thing is baptism, water baptism. The baptism, when you look in the book of Acts of the disciples or the apostles, 
they baptized everyone, and this is not some type of, uh, uh, some type of just thought or, or doctrine. They baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in every circumstance, or every time you see water baptism, it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because it's, it's, it's more than just a name. The name is powerful, but what does it mean really? It's authorization through identification. Here's what I mean by that. Galatians 3.27, it, it talks about sonship a couple of verses prior. You can mark it down, take a note on it. But Galatians 3.27, it says, For as many as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Not only is Jesus, I, I put, he puts me on like a glove whenever in water baptism, because what it is, water baptism is an outward manifestation of an inward union. It's an outward manifestation to show I belong to Jesus, but not just because of the act. I identify with him in burial. I identify with him in resurrection. I identify with him because he's putting his mark, his name. Ephesians 1 says it's a seal. But, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, but water baptism is a seal. So for you and I, baptized in that powerful name is authorization, it, I can, when I pray and I begin to live, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus because I've identified with him in burial and resurrection through the water taken upon my life, that name. He puts me on like a glove and I am authorized. It's my badge that I can stand and pray because in the name of Jesus, every sickness, whatever it is I'm facing, I, it's a, it's a, it, it, like I said, it's an inward, uh, it's an inward mark. Man, I love that so much. First Chronicles, or excuse me, First Corinthians 4.20 says this, says, for the kingdom of God is not just in word only, but in power. You gotta be authorized, but not just that. You gotta be baptized. Water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also spirit baptized. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire. He is the one. And Luke 24, verse 24 says this, says that, behold, Jesus speaking to his disciples and getting ready to ascend, he says, I'm sending the promise of my father. And we see this word promise marked in the book of Acts chapter two, whenever it talks about for this promise is unto you and your children. This is the same promise that was promised. I send my promise of my father upon you. But he said, wait, Go and wait in Jerusalem. You know, this is interesting. You never see the disciples tarry again and wait for anything else. Now, they'll come in in Acts 4, and they begin to pray, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with boldness. The place was shaken. They prayed. They didn't have to tarry. This is the only one time here in Scripture that they're tarrying and waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and I want to talk about now, I want to talk about the power. I want to, I want to talk about dunamis because you need them both, authority and power. Dunamis, this word, let me just read this really quick. This means creative, explosive presence of God. It's the explosive power to change physical reality. It's the power through God's ability. Not only does the Holy Spirit clothe me in power, and there's an outward manifestation and evidence of that called tongues that we see throughout the, the book of Acts, but we see that there is a power that comes upon our life for a purpose, to change physical reality. When we lay hands upon those who were sick and were clothed with power, there's an outward manifestation and that reality can change. Sickness can be healed. 
Things can shift. Things can move. So it says in Acts 4, Acts 1 and 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem. Don't leave here, but wait for the promise, which he said, You've heard from me talk about. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. That word power is the word dunamis. That's what it means. The God's empowering explosive presence coming upon their life. And it says, "You for what purpose? That you'll be witnesses. The point and the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is evidenced through tongues, but it's for a purpose to empower the witness. How many of you just want to be empowered witnesses. Like I, I want everywhere that I go, I want a power upon my life. Gideon, the scripture says he was clothed with power. Old Testament means God put him on like a glove and began to use him. That's what it means to be clothed with power, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's power, power to act and change the reality of certain circumstances we come into. More than just, it's not just the baptism in the Holy Spirit and having an encounter, but it's more than that. So, You know, I said that authority comes in the commission. Power comes in the encounter. Power comes in the encounter. Demetri, if you would come. Five different instances where the disciples have encountered or laid hands upon someone that had received. Acts 2, we see the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, they're praying together, baptism comes. Acts chapter 8, Saul is baptized. Acts chapter 10, the house of Cornelius. Scripture says that they are, he, Peter preaches a message to the Gentiles, and after, as he's preaching to them, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues. And he says, who would forbid them to be baptized? So they water baptize them right after the fact. And then Acts 19, we see another situation where they were believers. Scripture says that they believed, but they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul begins to explain to them and teach to them. And as he lays hands upon them, the Holy Spirit falls in power. And they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to speak, speak with tongues. And there's an, a baptism. It's, it's more. Can I say this this morning? And some of you, raise your hand if you've ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That evidence of tongues. You see God begin. So it's real. Is it real? Come on. Is it real? I go back and it's so precious. And I, I'm sorry. Thinking about how, how long I've been preaching this, but I had to. I think about that time in the woods of Alabama. Not literally, I was in a conference, but it just sounds cool to say the woods of Alabama. <laughs> And I was in that conference center. I grew up in this. I grew up to honor the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's such a, it is, I mean, I'm telling you, it's an honorable legacy to be a part of. And I remember looking around and seeing before that service started, there's people praying all over. Preparing their hearts for the service. And as soon as the first note kicked off, it was just like the heavens opened up and God didn't just drip upon me. He just like literally flooded me. And I felt so overwhelmed. There was so much joy coming up and I be, began to be refilled. And what I believe that God was doing was that he was, he kept pouring. For an hour, I cried and didn't know I had that many tears in me. But for an hour, I cried. 
and, and prayed and cried in tongues. And what I felt like God was doing with that was, and the worship lasted that long, what I felt like God was doing was he was, he was just removing all that junk out of my life and just cleansing me, purifying my heart, refining my heart, preparing me. And I just look back on that precious moment and people have built so many different things around the Holy Spirit because here's the thing. You don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater because somebody had a bad experience and said, well, we don't do that here. Don't let some, I'm gonna tell you, here's the thing. You have got to give up your right to understand in the kingdom of God. We feel like we need to understand. He's an infinite God. Who in the world thinks we can figure him out? I, you know what I figured out? For This may not help anybody. You may not come back next week. The more I'm learning in him, the more I don't really know anything. And all I wanna be, I just wanna be yielded. I want to be surrendered. I want to be submitted. I don't care what it looks like. I've encountered his goodness. You can talk about and be rigid however you feel about it, but I just, I'm not critical. I'm not cynical. We hear so many critical and cynical voices in the body of Christ that are deterring people. Don't go there. There's too many hypocrites there. Don't go there. They do all this stuff there. No, 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 no. I have had an encounter. How many has an encounter? When's the last time that you had an encounter? Maybe you need to make that current. Maybe you need to open up your heart and say, God, I know that there's more. I don't know what this preacher's talking about, but I feel something inside me being stirred. I feel something is shifting. There is a baptism of fire for the people today. And I promise you, I wouldn't, it's just like the saying goes, I wouldn't leave home without it. I wouldn't go to Walmart without it. I, I pray in the Holy Spirit a lot of times because I'm not that good, so I need him to show up. Jude said that, beloved, Pray, building yourself up in, the, in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Spirit. When, you're, when stuff is dysfunctional and everything's going wrong, pray in the Holy Spirit. When everything's going right, you got a lot of money in the bank, everything, and you don't, none of your vehicles are broke down. Hello, transmission, come to life in Jesus' name. It's just like, I'm gonna pray in the Holy Spirit because I don't know what else to do. I belong to you. You said, God, you said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and I know you wanna populate this earth with kids in the kingdom. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be filled with power and they can call me a nut if they want to. That's fine. Cause I'm gonna carry authority. When your baby's sick, guess what I'm gonna do for you? I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna speak and I'm gonna declare regardless of what happens. When your marriage is on the rocks, guess what? I'm gonna pray. You can bring it to me, I'll pray. I'll pray in tongues. I'll freak you out right there in front of you. I'll pray in tongues. I'm kidding. No, I might, I don't know. What you're a part of is greater than you and your children. God is looking to touch you, your children, and the next generation and three generations beyond that, but you gotta wake up and see it. You're not living for yourself. Hezekiah did it. Everybody looks at Hezekiah, stand to your feet, I'm done. Everybody looks at Hezekiah and say, oh, bless Hezekiah, he prayed and the Lord answered. You know, what, you know how greedy he was? I don't know why I'm saying this. Hezekiah was greedy. Because the Lord said, it's all going to go well for you and your generation. But your sons and your grandchildren and their children, they're going to go into bondage. And he said, oh, great. Thank God it's not going to happen in my generation. No. I'm going to turn my face towards the wall because we got a world in crisis right now. And this world in crisis needs a church. Not just a building. They need you on fire. I'm telling you. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom to a CEO billionaire of a multi, whatever, uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? God wants to touch some people with fire this morning.
not just the fire, but some of you, this has been a revelation to you because now the light's been turned on for authority. I read a book by Kenneth Hagin, Spiritual Authority. And you can pray. Right, Andrew? You can pray. You can make declarations. And God will begin to move on your behalf, but you've got to be the one to speak. So I want to ask a question. Who is either in need of authority in the kingdom or needing a touch of fresh power upon their life today? Lift your hand. See the hands going up over there? Anybody else? What if some of you about like me is like, I'll get in line for another one. I promise you that. You pour it out all on me. Listen, this is what I want you to do. Musicians, come back. We're going to go after it for a while. We're going to open the floodgates and say, Lord, have your way in this room. We need a touch from heaven. How many of you need a touch from heaven? How many of you need to be freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many of you need a fresh touch? So we're going to worship a little bit, and I want you to open your heart to the Lord. Listen, be receptive. Just be receptive. That's all I'm asking you to do. And let God do the rest. We're going to worship a while. And as after that, we'll do some altar time. But I want you to engage in this moment. Go ahead, worship team. Jesus, you change everything. Chains fall. Fear bow. For those of you that need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed if you feel like you need to go. And for those that want it, you lifted your hands. I would encourage you to hang around. Receive 
All of you that's in the room, if you would, you can continue to worship, encourage you to engage in this moment. But let's press in for just a moment with your hands stretched out. Kingdom of God, come. I'm just going to declare some stuff over you. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done. Let the power of Jesus begin to fall. Kingdom of God, come. Right here, right now. much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.